Hello, I'm David Spence. I'm a professor of neurology and clinical pharmacology at Western University in London, Canada, um, and ran a hypertension clinic for about 20 years before opening my stroke prevention clinic. Hypertension is high blood pressure, and it causes stroke uh, principally by directly damaging the small artery branches um, at the base of the brain, short straight arteries that penetrate into the brainstem and cerebellum and the internal capsule and basal ganglia. So that's why intracerebral hemorrhages and lacunar infarctions are principally located in those parts of the brain. So can you outline the three main reasons for resistant hypertension? The three main reasons for resistant hypertension are firstly non-compliance, the patient may not be taking the medication. The second is uh, that the patient may be consuming things that aggravate blood pressure such as salt, excess alcohol, licorice, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, um, and sometimes birth control pills. The third reason is that the patient may have an underlying cause of hypertension that's been missed. It's called secondary hypertension. So salt is obviously a really important risk factor globally, especially with uh, packaged foods and processed foods. How exactly does salt enhance hypertension? Well, probably by more than one mechanism, but it, it causes water retention. Um, and, and expansion of blood volume is thought to be one of the main reasons. It may also change the production of hormones that aggravate blood pressure, such as angiotensin, um, may reduce the levels of uh, atrial natriuretic peptide. Um, there are probably several mechanisms. So we've sort of covered this in some ways, but I'll ask this question again just to broadly get this. What substances aggravate hypertension? So an excess intake of salt, a recommended daily intake of salt should be somewhere around 2 to 3 grams a day of, of sodium chloride. Um, people who are salting their food before tasting are on average consuming about 10 grams a day. That's 20 times as much salt as our body needs. People who salt their food after tasting are consuming about 5 grams, and there are many foods that have a high salt content before any salt is added. For example, one dill pickle has a whole day's salt intake, and a cup of tomato soup, uh, canned tomato soup, has about half a day's salt intake. So patients, in addition to avoiding added salt, need to pay attention to labels. So why is there poor control of hypertension in the U.S.? Many reasons. Um, some patients can't afford medication. Um, some patients don't take their medication. Some doctors don't prescribe strong enough medication. Um, and I believe that a particular reason that applies not only to um, the United States but other parts of the world um, is that patients with African ancestry, black patients from Africa and their descendants, are more likely to have special causes of hypertension that cause salt and water retention. And why is that? One of the causes is a enlargement of the adrenal glands. It's hyperplasia of the adrenal cortex bilaterally, 
causing primary hyperaldosteronism that's really medically treated. It's not a surgical condition because it's bilateral uh, in most cases. Um, another cause is a mutation of the renal sodium channel that causes salt and water retention. And it's important to identify these conditions because the treatment is different. Patients with primary aldosteronism are best treated with aldosterone antagonists, whereas patients with renal sodium channel mutations that are variants of Riddle syndrome, L-I-D-D-L-E, um, the specific treatment for that condition is amylaride. It's a potassium and magnesium sparing diuretic that it has its effect by blocking that renal sodium channel. So what makes hypertension a significant factor for stroke? There's an important Swedish study that showed that 95% of strokes occur among patients with uncontrolled hypertension. Um, high blood pressure is the most important modifiable risk factor for, for stroke. That's, that's not so much the case for myocardial infarction. So it's been estimated that blood pressure control could reduce stroke by 40 or 50 percent, whereas it would reduce myocardial infarction by 20 percent. And the reason goes back to what I said earlier, that strokes that are caused directly by high blood pressure are due to small vessel disease, whereas myocardial infarctions are due to atherosclerosis. And, and hypertension contributes only indirectly to atherosclerosis. Is it safe to lower the blood pressure in the elderly and in patients with carotid stenosis considering the outcomes of Interact 2 and how does that affect the management of hypertension? There's absolutely um, powerful evidence that controlling blood pressure in elderly people not only reduces the risk of stroke but also um, dementia. Um, the vast majority of patients with high blood pressure should have their blood pressure lowered into a target range such as 130 over 80. They, and this includes patients with carotid stenosis. Um, we showed with, with Peter Rothwell that only about 3% of patients with carotid stenosis, and that's because they have bilateral carotid stenosis, are intolerant of blood pressure lowering. Um, there are, is a small population of patients who have thickened arteries that cause their blood pressure measurements to be inaccurate. That's called the pseudo-hypertension. And in patients who have blood pressure readings that are much higher than their true blood pressure, um, then lowering the blood pressure into what, what apparently is 130 over 80 may make them feel lightheaded because their true intra-arterial pressure is way below that. There's about half of patients above age 60 who have Diastolic pressure is above 100 without any end organ disease from hypertension. We'll have a, a 30 millimeter difference between the cuff pressure and the intraarterial pressure. But this, this is not a not particularly common. I think it it, it probably accounts for four percent or fewer of of uh, elderly hypertensive patients that have this problem. Besides blood pressure control, there are two other very key issues that are often ignored. Mm -hmm. Smoking cessation is perhaps the most powerful intervention for reducing the risk of stroke. And the Mediterranean diet is far more important for prevention of vascular disease uh, than, than most people realize. It's not okay just to take a statin and eat whatever you like. Uh, patients at risk of heart attacks and strokes should be avoiding egg yolks, 
reducing their meat intake and eating lots of fruits, vegetables, lentils, beans, nuts and beneficial oils. Could you explain now secondary hypertension? Well, secondary hypertension is when there's an underlying cause of the high blood pressure, such as a renal artery narrowing, um, primary hyperaldosteronism, a renal sodium channel mutation that I discussed earlier, variants of little syndrome, rarely something like coarctation of the aorta. So that's where there's an underlying cause that can be identified. Primary hypertension is the term that's applied to hypertension for which the cause has not yet been diagnosed. Um, it used to be called essential hypertension, but that's, that's a poor term because it implies that it was based on the notion that elderly people need, needed high pressures to force blood through their blocked arteries. So does that mean that elderly people are a much higher risk factor for hypertension than any other group in society? Yeah, the prevalence of hypertension increases quite steeply with age. So at age 30, it might be uh, less than 20% of people are hypertensive. By age 80, it's, it's approaching 70%. And in terms of, you mentioned before that African-Americans and, and their descendants are much more prone to hypertension. Does that, what does that mean in terms of like a global picture? Are there other countries that also have incredible high risk of hypertension and other countries that have really low risk of hypertension? And do you know why that is? Um, there is a distribution of hypertension that relates to salt intake. And that's been shown across China in southeastern China where people don't eat much salt about 20% of people are hypertensive, whereas in northwestern China, where they even put salt in their tea, about 40% of people are hypertensive. But um, Africa has a particular problem with hypertension and, and hypertensive stroke, including intracerebral hemorrhage, that I believe is related to these hereditary causes of salt and water retention that I've been talking about. So the way to sort that out to sort out the cause of the hypertension, a, a simple way to do it, once you've excluded very rare things like pheochromocytoma and, and uh, aortic coarctation, virtually all the rest of hypertension is, is based on the renin angiotensin aldosterone system. So if you measure plasma renin and plasma aldosterone, preferably in a stimulated condition after a diuretic, um, you can sort out what's the underlying physiology that's driving the hypertension, and then you can identify how best to treat it. So, for example, patients with primary aldosteronism will have high levels of aldosterone and suppression of renin because of salt and water retention. So they'll have low renin levels. For high aldo, low renin, they need aldosterone antagonists. People with salt and water retention due to the renal tubular sodium channel mutations have suppression of both aldosterone and renin, so they have low aldo, low renin, and they need amylaride as a specific treatment. Now, patients with high renin and high aldosterone, called secondary hyperaldosteronism, have an underlying renal problem that's driving the hypertension, and they will respond best to drugs that block uh, angiotensin, such as angiotensin receptor blockers, or possibly renin uh, inhibitors, such as aliskarin. Um, so the, the, when someone's blood pressure is not responding to usual therapy, it's important to sort out the cause of the hypertension in order to identify the appropriate therapy.
therapy for that individual based on the physiology. And what's the future for hypertension? What do you envisage over, say, the next five years? Well, there are going to be important genetic discoveries that help explain the underlying causes of hypertension. I believe there will probably be a hypertension chip where you can put your a drop of blood on the chip and sort out the cause of the hypertension. While we're waiting for that, though, we don't have to do genotyping to identify the, the appropriate therapy for patients. We can phenotype them using the renin and aldosterone. You've been listening to a podcast interview with Dr. David Spence based on the World Stroke Academy module on hypertension. The International Journal of Stroke and the World Stroke Academy are arms of the World Stroke Organization. Please consider becoming a member.